Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 61. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Terry Cargus. Terry, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? All set, ready to go. All right. Thank you for being here. Terry Cargus is the executive director of the Peterson Automotive Museum. In his first year at the Peterson, Terry introduced vault tours, monthly cruise-ins, adult education programs, movie nights, and specialty car events. He's helped to increase overall attendance, creating new events that engage the people of Los Angeles and the global automotive community. Before joining the Peterson, Terry was a senior manager in automotive OEM, motorsports and theme park entertainment divisions, including Disneyland, Marine World, and SeaWorld. His leadership background with automotive manufacturing firms includes Roush Performance, where he spent 17 years growing the company into the largest specialty high-performance car brand in the world. There, he also managed sales, advertising, new media, web development, and vehicle packaging. Prior to Roush, Terry enjoyed ownership of Cargus Sport, where he emphasized motorsports marketing and ran his own racing team. So, Terry, I've told our listeners a little about you, so please take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, I, I, I guess I'm a kid of the 50s and 60s. I was born in uh, Joliet, Illinois, and moved out to uh, California in 1955 when I was 10 years old, just in time to enjoy the the growth of uh, hot rodding and drag racing here in Southern California, and the birth, really, or, or for me anyway, of of road racing. And it was I was immersed in it. Uh, all the guys that I like to hang out with and the places we like to go all pretty much revolved around cars. Uh, or the uh, car culture. It was a it was a great time to be alive and a great time to be growing up. There were drag strips all over Southern California. Uh, you could drag race uh, three four nights a week, and at, at different facilities. Riverside Raceway opened in 1957. Torrey Pines and and uh, and uh, Pebble Beach were going on. They were racing road racing at Santa Barbara at the airport. It was terrific and it was a really wonderful time to uh, grow up. It sounds like it. And you and I, when we met years ago, talked about Southern California lifestyle and and some of the surf culture and the car culture, but you obviously immersed yourself into it and then made it a part of your life as part of all the things you've done in your career path, right? It's been a a major, or the driving force of my life. I I remember uh, in the theme park business, I I looked around at the the walls and and, uh, at one point, and the only pictures I ever had on my walls were, were pictures of race cars. <laughs> That's wonderful. 
As you evolved through your career and you got up to the point where you're at with the Peterson right now, you played with cars your whole life, and now you get to play with some of the best cars in the world with a museum like the Peterson. I know we're going to talk a little bit about your career and all the things you're doing, but I'd like you to share with our listeners a little bit about what's going on at the Peterson right now, because there's some major changes about to happen. We're actually transforming the museum. After 20 years of, of really no change at all, Mark, we're totally transforming the museum inside and out. In fact, at Pebble Beach, just uh, two Sundays ago, we announced a $125 million capital campaign for our improvements, and we also announced that we have raised uh, $72 million of it and are, are well on our way to, to, uh, to filling the rest of it. We've got a, uh, an enormous uh, task ahead of us, but the designs are breathtaking. The, the uh, firm... Uh, Cone, Pedersen, Fox, the, the guys that have designed and built virtually all the major high-rises, new high-rises around the world, especially in the Middle East, architectural firm out of New York, uh, Gene Cone is a car guy. They came uh, to us with a design, an exterior design of these stainless steel ribbons that undulate up and down and in and out, and they wrapped the exterior of the building. So we're going to maintain the physical plant that we have and then start all, all over again in the interior. Again, this is our 20th anniversary, and in 20 years the museum hasn't changed. And, and right now, as a part of the new museum, when we reopen, we'll have 22 new galleries with new exhibits, interactive and immersive technologies. And as an example, right now in the museum we have, uh, I think, seven flat panel TV screens with, with videos working. When we reopen, we'll have 175 of them. Oh, wow. The floors that we have, three floors of cars, plus the, the downstairs is a fourth for the vault. The first floor will be themed the art of the automobile, the artistry of automotive. The second floor will be on the automotive industry, and the third floor will be on the history of the automobile, especially how it affected the culture of Los Angeles and Southern California, but also adding now how it affected the culture in the world. Well, it sounds incredible. And as we get a little further in our, our interview here, we'll let folks know how to get a hold of the museum and see some of the things that are coming. But as we continue on your journey, I'd like to start with a success quote, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Terry, take the wheel. Well, there's two of them. One is from a movie and the other is from a television show. There was a movie called The Untouchables, which was uh, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner. And Sean Connery was trying to explain as the cop to Elliot Ness what he needed to do to, to beat Al Capone. His presentation was, how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do? And I never forgot that because I think that that fits in life and especially with, uh, in the business that we're in, certainly in the racing business. How bad do you want what you are doing, and how, what are you willing to do to make it work? I've never forgotten that. And another favorite of mine was in the early days of Saturday Night Live, at the end of the uh, news program, he would say, and if you didn't like today's news, go out and make some of your own. Hmm. And I thought both of those to be very fitting. One, how bad do you want it? And if you, didn't like, if you don't like what's going on right now in your life, what, go do something about it. And I, I've always taken those to heart. I, I, for some reason, those stuck with me. Terry, how have you incorporated those quotes into your business and into your life and your passion for cars? 
Oh boy, I well, I've always pursued and had the opportunity to take a position and then develop it into what I thought it should be rather than following a, a path that was outlined for me. I could come into a position or come into a job and look at what I thought had to be done, and that is how I pursued or followed or created the path to go there. I, if I saw things that, that weren't being done that needed to be done, I would go do them. If, and and I, I wouldn't have to ask. I could go say, no, this is what we have to do to succeed. And if I saw things that were being done incorrectly, I would correct them immediately. There's no need to ask. You're put in a position to accomplish things, uh, and I think jobs essentially are created to help solve problems or fill a need, and if all you're going to do is go do what is handed to you, I don't think you're going to grow, and it's, you're certainly not showing much interest or you're not being very interesting yourself. So I've always said that the business and work to me has always been a pleasure. So going in and exploring things that need to be done and finding new ways to do them have always intrigued me. That sounds great. Will you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? If you could tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Probably two, two times, two moments that I can remember distinctly. First was at Torrey Pines at, a, at the race in 1955. I was a kid fresh out of Joliet, Illinois, and Dad took us to the Torrey Pines road race, and Phil Hill was there, and, it, and he, there were D-Jags and MGs and Triumphs and all kinds of cars that I had never seen before, and they were racing on, this, on the bluff above the ocean on this beautiful, sunshiny day with a cool breeze going, in those days, you had snow fence in front of you with some hay bales. On one side of us was a, was a, a Mercedes Gullwing, and the other side of us was a, a Rolls-Royce. And they both had these big wicker baskets and ha- were out having picnics. And I'm looking at these cars, and in those days, you're smelling the bean oil coming from the cars. And I thought, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen or witnessed. <laughs> and I've, I've never seen like it, and it really, really excited me. Nothing had done that to me before. And then, I, and then in 1957, at the, very, at the opening of the Riverside Raceway, uh, we were there. I remember looking at the cars. We made a, you know, uh, this was a, now a family thing where we'd go to the races. But I remember looking at the cars and seeing all of the, the corporate sponsors on the cars and the corporate sponsors around the track and I, I was intrigued by the idea that business was part of racing, and that racing being the most exciting thing I'd ever seen, I also saw the business side of, of being involved in racing, uh, and that stuck with me. And I had never, never found anything that, that got me that, that excited or, or got my attention like that before. So that, that did stay with me. Well, you do know how lucky you are to have been able to see those times and those experiences. When you're a kid, my goodness, to be at Torrey Pines and see Phil Hill and some of those famous cars and drivers in real life that most of us have only dreamt about must have been fantastic. In those days, Mark, too, uh, as kids, we would go to the pits, volunteer to polish the cars or shine the cars or watch them for the guys when they went to dinner or went someplace. They would let you in for free, and you could, you could rub on the cars. And, and I mean, it was a pretty special time. It was very low-key. You could be at the snack bar where all the drivers were sitting, and there's Lothar Machenbacher and, and uh, Ken Miles and Dan Gurney and Phil Hill. 
Jim Hall and all the legends. And here you are as just a kid, a teenager, sitting down listening to the stories. I mean, it, it, you'd, you'd have to kind of, you, you wouldn't want to be timid, but why would you be if all those guys were there, if all your heroes were there? Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Terry, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career that pushed you to a breaking point? And more importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. I had been in the theme park entertainment business four years at Disney, four at SeaWorld, and four at Marine World, and had uh, had some great trainers, good teachers, but I had done it uh, literally seven days a week. 24 seven um, and and after 12 years I was burned out and I had no idea what I wanted to do and I couldn't figure out what to do next but I knew I had to quit doing that I couldn't couldn't figure it out couldn't figure it out and finally one night I sat down on my front porch I was living in San Carlos on the peninsula San Francisco Peninsula at the time and thought, I don't know, I, I have nowhere to turn. I don't know what to do, but I've got to do something. And that was the moment that I, it, I, it dawned on me that over the 12 years, the only pictures I had ever had in my office were pictures of race cars. And it hit me. I thought part of my, my the, the thought process was what would I really be upset of having missed if I died tomorrow? What would really be the thing that I missed the most in my life and maybe that's what I've got to go do. And it was, I, I wanted to be involved in racing. I wanted to be involved in cars. So the next morning, I went about uh, looking to buy a race car, uh, thinking that that's what I really needed to do. What I found was um, that I got, I got the race car. I found out that I was too broke, too, too slow, and, and too poor to do it the way I wanted to. But then I started to work in various positions in racing by introducing myself and walking into doors and, you know, and announcing myself and pushing my way in. But it, that was really the breakthrough. I, 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 that was what started me off many, many years ago. Well, it's a wonderful story, and I really appreciate you sharing what was most likely a really challenging time in your life with our listeners because so many people out there face a point in their life where they just don't know where to turn. And sometimes if they just look around themselves, look into their heart and ask themselves, what am I really passionate about? It can give some guidance. It's not always easy, as you said. Terry, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story with us when you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you realized that an idea or not concept was really going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, there were several, uh, actually, that, that got me to where I am today, and one of them uh, was a part of the process of finding out that I was too slow and too broke to do, to be in racing the way I wanted to be, and I had watched, you know, the gurneys in the hills and the, and the, and the halls and, and guys racing at that level, and that was what I wanted to do, and I, I, now I bought a little, I had a, a C-Sports racer, and I was racing in, in uh, SCCA, and I'm thinking, this isn't at all what I wanted to do. This was not my picture, my mental picture. So what do I do? How do I, how do I become involved in that? And during my, my years in the theme park entertainment business, I had learned how to sell sponsorships for shows and exhibits and things we were doing in the theme parks. And I thought, wait a minute, 
look at all these cars. Every car is filled with stickers because that's what you need. You have to have sponsors to be able to go racing. So I started approaching. I thought, that's what I know how to do, and that's what I can do for teams. I can raise a lot of money for these teams. So I started introducing myself to the teams and um, drivers about, listen, here's what I know how to do. Here's what I can do to help you. And I ended up working with some of the best in the best. I was the sponsor guy. I, I helped uh, put Dan Gurney together with Toyota. I introduced, and I just went to Dan's front door and introduced myself. Oh, uh, wow. I, I ended up working with Gallus Craco on the sponsorship side when, when Al Unser Jr. and Bobby Rahal were there. And then Danny Sullivan came in. I worked with individual drivers. I ended up getting some money, putting some money together and running a Formula Atlantic team of my own. Uh, Whitney Gans was our driver. He was terrific. I called Ron Dennis, who at the time I thought was the best Formula 2 team in Europe, and that was in 1980. Asked him Formula 2 mechanics where he gave me some names, and I hired what I thought was the best guy. Uh, but it was that was really a lot of fun. But those the aha moment was when I figured out, wait a minute, I know what I can do to help participate at the highest level of racing, and that's what I want to do. That's what I can do to be there. So I, I decided... I would do it and then introduce myself to uh, to the teams and ended up doing it. Well, fantastic story. What a wonderful pivot you made there and a great lesson for so many entrepreneurs trying to break into the automotive field. That's fantastic. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? Could you tell us what that was and maybe share a memory or two you had with that car? Funny, I, I think one of my favorite early cars was a, a 64 Volkswagen convertible, but I also had a, a, a 53 split window VW. Had a bunch of VW convert or uh, buses, campers. But the, the the one car that stood out or stands out was a a 1958 Porsche Speedster that my that that I bought, and my brother and I um, restored it. Uh, actually, it didn't need much restoration. We did a lot of engine work to it, though. It was that was my prize. That was uh, my pride. Enjoy. What was the special memory you had with that? Was the was it rebuilding the engine with your brother, or did you have some a special trip? Maybe you took in that vehicle. That's that's exactly right. One of the things that I had always dreamed about was owning a, a, a black Porsche Speedster, tan interior, uh, with the top down, uh, heading down Highway One, with uh, some wine and cheese and bread, and camping along Highway One on the ocean and cruising the, the California coast. And I did that, and it was still one of my great memories and, and one of my real treats. That was a real special time in a, in a car. I'd, in fact, one of, the, one of the funny things that happened on the trip is I, as I was driving south, especially along um, the uh, Big Sur coast, was uh, looking at driving along and seeing all these people looking out to sea, and I thought, boy, there must be some whales out there or dolphins or something. And I kept seeing all these people lined up along Highway 1, facing out to sea, and I think, God, i got to stop because I can't see any of the, I can't see by just looking out there at, at the whales and dolphins, and I'm missing them. So I stopped, and I was parked there for a minute, and then it, real, it, it dawned on me, you're not looking at anything but the sun setting. These people are actually taking time to just enjoy the sun setting over the Pacific Ocean, and that was another one of those ta-da moments. I had been working hard and long 
and I, I hadn't taken time in years to watch the sunset. That was, was a good wake-up call. Oh, absolutely. Stop and smell the flowers, the classic line. And I have to tell you, 58 Speedster is probably on the very top of my wish list. I was born in 58. I've loved Porsche Speedster since I was a little kid. I had a neighbor that had one. So you're sitting here sharing this story, and I've just got a huge grin on my face going, yes, yes, driving down the coast in a 58 Speedster. What a dream come true. That's awesome. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you had back? Actually, there was a, a yeah, there, there was a, a, a 1953 Buick uh, Woody wagon that I had that was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, uh, powder blue, perfect wood, all original car, and it was, the, it was a perfect Palm Springs car. I would love to have that car still. But like anything, you know, you turn them over and you you keep moving. Yep, can't look back, that's for sure. Is there a project you're working on right now, Terry, that really has you excited and fired up? Well, yeah, this, this the, the museum is, uh, uh, the, the transformation of the museum, you know, we have mostly a brand new staff. We have a, a new board of directors uh, that are excited. This is the best challenge of my career. You know, I'm proud to say that uh, as the executive director, I'm, I'm working with probably one of the most exciting boards uh, anybody ever put together. These guys are the greatest car collectors and, and visionaries. Peter Mullen, our chairman, is absolutely an extraordinary guy, but that he's one of, of, of several extraordinary men that uh, uh, have great visions. They're great collectors. They're real gentlemen, and they're very, very good at what they do. And they are, are up to their eyeballs in helping us develop this project And without them, it wouldn't be happening. But when we finish, the goal is to be the world's premier automotive museum. So, yeah, I'd say I'm involved in a a pretty good project right now. I think you are. I think for all of us listening, we cannot wait to see the results of what all of you are building there. That's fantastic. Now, here's a funny question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well... I, I would, if I were a car, I'd I maybe probably a 917 or a GTO because I think those are two of the the most beautiful, powerful cars ever built. You know, or a or a 275 GTB 4 cam. Mm. I don't, I, how, I don't know how you get any more beautiful than those three cars. So I, I, I don't know that I can give you one, but. But those are the those are the three tops for me. Yeah, you picked some great ones. And having just come back from Pebble Beach that weekend, I know you were down there as well. Uh, saw all those cars uh, running around. So yeah, tough to choose for sure. Testa Rose is is a tough one to beat. Yes, that one too. And then we saw what twenty plus of those on the lawn at Pebble Beach. So Terry, this is a fun part of our talk. I call it the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready to go? You betcha. All right. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Bobby answers. speed costs money. How fast do you want to go? This fast, this fast, or this fast? <laughs> Boy, isn't that true, especially in the world of racing. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Say hello to everyone, look them in the eye, uh, and call everyone back every day, no matter what, and no matter how late it is. Well, and I can tell our listeners that Terry is that kind of guy. When I reached out and asked him to do this interview, 
I heard right back from him, and I really appreciate that attribute in your uh, in your lifestyle and the way that you conduct yourself. Thank you. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of, perhaps a website or a forum you attend? Well, actually, there's a there's a website that we just launched called Car Stories, mm-hmm. which uh, we contribute to daily, and and it's uh, the content. It's rich in content. It's uh, it's a great entertaining piece. I, I would say, yeah, go go check out Car Stories. Absolutely, and I receive that, and you guys are doing a great job with it, by the way. I really enjoy what you're putting out there for us enthusiasts. Thank you. Terry, could you share a book with us that you've recently read that you really think is valuable and that you enjoyed? I've spent a lot of time reading. Uh, I've traveled, especially with Roush, for 17 years, so I had a chance to do a lot of reading. I was alone a lot, but I got to read a lot about Dwight Eisenhower. And there's a book called Supreme Allied Commander, and he was remarkable. This was a story that he wanted written that uh, was on his four years as the Supreme Allied Commander. And it had nothing, it wasn't about his early life or as president, and it, it wasn't about you know personal life. It was about him as a general dealing with the politicians of all the countries that that he was having to work with, and then as a as a general, as a leader, with all of the military people that he had to deal with. And it's a great story about leadership and uh, and management. If you could manage those varied personalities and that wide variety of goals and interests and egos, you could do just about anything. And he and he pulled it off. It's a great book. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, I could say my easiest one it would be uh, like yesterday. I had six grandchildren with me. And we've got nine. My wife and I have nine. And oh my gosh, um, introducing them to life and, and into the car world. Uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday we took them to the Reagan Library. Getting them interested in life is is really got to be, I'd say, one of my my real hobbies beyond do with cars. Oh, sounds fantastic. Well, I'll remind our listeners that they can find links to all these great resources that Terry has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Terry Cargus. And his last name is spelled K-A-R-G-E-S. So Terry, being in racing, you know what this means. We're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and it's something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you want. What would that vehicle be and why? The Golf 917, because of uh, when I first saw a 917 run and heard it, it, it was like nothing I had ever heard, and I still haven't heard anything before uh, that, or since that, that has, has had that kind of song. I guess you could say that the, for a GTO and the 12 cylinders, when you hear that, that it's it's like talk about a song, but... I think also the styling on the 917 really captured my attention, and I don't think that um, there's probably two paint schemes in racing that I, I would say are the best ever. One is Martini and the other is Golf, but I think Golf is probably the one that uh, gets my attention the best or holds my attention the best. I think it's just gorgeous, uh, and the styling on a 917 is, is magnificent. That, that I don't know that they've improved on it. Well, that uh, car that Bruce Canapa had down at Pebble Beach that won at the Carmel Street uh, show on Tuesday, boy, I think, that's, I think that's the car for me, too. And that thing was spectacular. 
I saw Bruce. He said that he had, had an offer. He had just finished the car, and somebody made him an offer of $25 million, and a week later, somebody made him an offer of $30 million on it. So oh. not bad money. <laughs> no, Bruce, uh, Bruce does magnificent work, and the cars that he restores are fantastic, and he does require a pretty penny. So I'm guessing he's just going to hold those cards for a while until the, uh, the offers quit coming in. But uh, beautiful car. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Well, Terry, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed talking with you and listening to your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche 917? And then let the listeners know what's the best way for them to learn more about you and the Peterson Museum, and then we'll say goodbye. For me... Pursue what you love. And, and you've heard that over and over again. Do what you, uh, you've only got so many years here. Find out what it is you love the most and do it. And then, and then be prepared to reset your goals. Be prepared to um, be on a long journey. It took me years to figure out where I really fit in the automotive and the racing world. And there were a lot of jobs that I did along the way that I found that wasn't, it wasn't in the in, part of the industry I wanted to be in so I had to keep moving, but I never gave up on the dream that, or, or the understanding that being involved in, in, in cars and racing is really what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. But where I fit in it was a tough thing. It took me years and years of a bunch of different things to find my niche. And I guess pursuing your passion uh, will allow you the patience to find out where you really belong. And, and then, you know, again, Make sure that you're doing the things you see that need to be done. Listen to what, what else has to be done. You can't be a, you're going to have to compromise as you go along, but boy, oh boy, it, it's, a, uh, it's a joy. I mean, I've, I've, I'm working with some of the most beautiful cars and most talented people in the, in the uh, collector car hobby in the, in the world and in the racing world, and this is just because I decided you know what, i got to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to start tomorrow morning, and I did. And I've never given up. Uh, I guess that's it. goes back to those quotes, you know, how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do? And as far as people learning more about the Peterson Museum, what's the best place they can go to learn more? Peterson.org and uh, car stories. Peterson.org. Peterson is spelled Peter, S-E-N, P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N.org. We've got a good website, and we're getting better. Uh, and then Car Stories was just launched, and again, it's got all the stories about you know folks that are in the in the car related business, the industry, and and the hobby. Some fun stuff going on in there. So absolutely, but watch us as we grow. Within another 14 months, we will have a brand new museum and one that we intend to make the the premier automotive uh, museum in the world. You know, there are brand museums that, that are more grand, uh, but they're only talking about one, one vehicle, one type of, uh, one mark. Uh, we'll, we'll be the Switzerland of, of the automotive world. Well, we can't wait to see it. And I'll remind listeners again, you can find links to everything we've talked about at carsyad.com slash Terry Cargus. We'll post his show notes page up there and links to everything so you can learn more about what's happening at the Peterson Museum and everything that he's discussed today. Terry, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark. Take care. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.